Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. And welcome back to the first episode of Season 2 of Static Rage, the Punk and Post-Punk and whatever the fuck we want it to be podcast. If you have forgotten... I'm Ben, the Reverend Dangerously, if you will, and with me is Buzz. How are you doing, Buzz? Buzz, Buzzalicious is back. We're back, coming back from the dead. You can even call us perhaps a little bit of undead concerning what we're going to talk about tonight. But not Hollywood undead. But not Hollywood undead, because that's a shitty band. I don't care what one says. <laughs> so if you like that band, I'm sorry. Um, so, Ben, I have a question for you to kick us off. I probably have an answer for you. Okay, well, since... We're back and everything is new again. People probably, all the five people that listen to us might be starved to hear our voices again. Uh, what if I told you that there was, in fact, a band that meshed spaghetti western with punk rock, but also took the image and feel of the misfits lyrically and meshed it all together in one giant package? What would you say if I told you such a band existed? I would say sign me up. Well, fortunately for you and for anyone else that has not seen the image that you put up, there such a band does exist. They are called Ghoul Town, and the first time I heard them or heard of them, I didn't know what to think, and I was kind of like, man, this is going to be a crappy band. Who the hell would name their, their band Ghoul Town? But as I'm sure we'll find out here in a moment, there's a very good reason for that. Indeed, indeed. Although I don't know what that reason is. But... As Buzz said, we are talking about Ghoul Town, specifically their second studio album, Give Em More Rope, which was released in 2002 on Angry Planet Records. Let's see if I have a more precise release date. I do not. All right. Um, the runtime on this album is 59-ish minutes. I don't have the exact number here in front of me. The band is... Lizard Rosario on acoustic guitar and vocals. A trumpet player, Count Lyle. Backing vocals, Anna Oakley and Sandy the Temptress. Santi on bass. X-Ray Charles on drums and percussion. Jake Middlefinger on other guitars. Dimitri Thurlman on the classical guitars on track Bandito Sunrise, which is a great fucking name. Uh, Lyle wrote most of the lyrics, but not all. Um, it was produced by Dimitri Thoman and Gouletown. Jay Lewis played the trumpet, and Count Lyle also played some guitar and laid down some other vocal tracks. So before we get too far into this, Ben, did you know about this band before I mentioned it to you? Yes. I did know about them. I had not heard the entire album, but I had seen a couple of their videos. And so that's kind of where I wanted to kind of get us started tonight. Um, For any of you that have never heard this band, for anyone that has the first time hearing this, that's kind of going, why the hell is a punk podcast getting ready to talk about something that has a country western feel to it? Um, The entire feel of this band is as i was joking with ben earlier it's essentially taking lyrics of something like the misfits and 
putting it to musically, I'd say Waylon Jennings or even possibly even Johnny Cash, if you will, and melding them both together. Um, this is one of the few times where you have a music subgenre that kind of explores outside its own box. And while I'm going to refer to the lyrics as punk, this is technically what you would call a gothabilly or even more accurately, a hellbilly band. Um, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it a hellbilly, mainly because it's not the aggression that I tend to think of when I think of hellbilly bands, but it's definitely gothbilly or um, reminds me of Graveyard Train and, and some other stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely this genre out there. Um, I think a lot of people just call it psychobilly, but it's not the kind of psychobilly that we've talked about in the past. It's actually really close. Um, pardon me for interrupting. But it's actually really close to that first Fields of the Nephilim album, but more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, too, so I'm, I'm glad you did. Uh, so if anyone remembers when we did that first Fields of Nephilim, not the first one we reviewed, but the first album that they came yeah. out with, uh, I had mentioned it's kind of like a spaghetti western feel. This takes that to the next level. This takes it to that level and goes, not only are we going to have that feel, not only is all the imagery going to be a spaghetti western set in a horror movie, but it's also going to be all those things plus the atmosphere and themes that you might have been missing from the first Fields of Nephilim. Uh, and it really, it, it kind of checks a lot of bo boxes off for me um, for different reasons. And just to kind of quick aside, I don't have an exact date on the release date, um, but I do remember the first time I heard this band was on Rumorg Radio, and it was around late 2002, no, mid-2002, it was like July or August, and Return of the Living Dead played on it, and that's the first time I'd ever heard of this band. Um, so I think it might have come out around that time in that year um just it going definitely as it was in 2002 and looking at the SKU number for the original format is apr 5003 so i'm assuming it was april but that's all i and know. it very well it very well might have been i just i remember hearing it that year and i was like what is this it's a song about zombies on an acoustic set and it sounds kind of you know Western-ish. This is interesting, and then you know my my drop down the rabbit hole went from there. Um, and just a little bit more back drop of the band before we start talking about the album. Um, so Count Lyle, whose real name is Lyle Blackburn, um, I've kind of I don't want to say grown up with him because I've I've known about this since my senior year in high school. Um, he's a cryptozoologist, and for those that don't know, he has written i think two two books i believe as well as he's been on coast to coast before he wrote a book uh the one i remember is the beast of boggy creek and dude is just really interesting and not someone you would expect to be in this kind of band because what i like about this band is when you see them off stage they are like normal everyday people and i love it yeah um the books he's written are The Beast of Boggy Creek, The True Story of the Folk Monster, F-O-U-K-E, how many of mispronounced that? Lizard Man, The True Story of the Bishopville Monster, 
Beyond Boggy Creek in search of the Southern Sasquatch and Momo, the strange case of the Missouri monster. So about one every couple years. Uh, well, not really. One in 2002, or excuse me, 2012, one in 13, then one in 17 and 19, respectively. And he's also produced like a whole whole bunch of, like a whole bunch, but he's produced other films slash documentaries as well. So, I mean, it. the, the fact is this guy is busy. So, um, you know, this is not his first band. I think he, he played in a few metal bands in the 80s um, and early 90s before he started this band. Um, but just to kind of give you a little background of, how entrenched these this band and these people these performers are um this kind of takes the horror theme to a new level for me um and if you go and do like a quick youtube search right now and you type in ghoul town i believe the song drink with the living dead comes up and that's off their fourth album yeah. um which is probably their most famous song like if i ask anyone now who's heard of this band they may not know anything else but they'll know that song so yeah that's just, the one that i'm the most familiar with is that yeah. song right so it's just kind of funny that i'm like huh I, I wonder why this is i mean it's a good song don't be wrong but it's just like out of all the songs they have i'm like why is this the most popular okay um because they don't get any ter- terrestrial uh airtime save for maybe a few college radio stations that play them at two o'clock in the morning you know um that's that's about where you get it from so it's just funny how that works out Yeah, it is. Um, and really, the entire aesthetic and vibe of the band, you know, you've probably heard me say this if you listen to some of those earlier episodes. I mean, I don't know why they named the band Good Sound. Buzz might know that, but they could have named themselves Deadlands, except they would have got sued because this Deadlands, the weird West role-playing game, this is that aesthetic and vibe. The, the cover art of all their albums is very similar not quite as um, not quite to the same caliber as the Deadlands stuff, but very similar in the evocative nature of it. And just uh, creates the same atmosphere and mood. I mean, if you were flipping through uh, the book for Deadlands and saw the artwork in this, you wouldn't think it was out of place. So, from my understanding, Ghoul Town is a play on words, kind of like Ghost Town. You know, only it's ghoul because they're so alive and zombies, etc. That's that's my understanding of why they went with Ghoul Town. Um, that, and I, I believe, and if I remember correctly, and I'm going, this is all memory of stuff that I've read over the years because it's actually very hard to find things out specifically about this band. Um, for some reason, again, I don't know why. Uh, I believe the idea was they didn't know if they were actually going to take off, so to speak. So it was one of these, hey, let's just call ourselves this and maybe change the name down the road if we get popular. And, well, they got po- kind of sort of popular and they decided, you know what, no, we're just going to keep the name. Hell yeah, they, as a matter of fact, they released an album this year. Yes, so. it's actually coming out in October, of all things. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Um, but that, And that's that's kind of where I, my understanding is where the name came from. They didn't want to say Ghost Town because it's going to be like, well, that's, you know, Everyone does that. Oh, Ghoul Town. There's something that no one really talks about. Um, but it's that, and there's, if you've ever, if you're an avid gamer, and you remember back in 2004 for Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Bloodlines, the computer game that came out, there's a bunch of posters around Los Angeles that have different, band, like, goth bands on them. Like, there's Bellamorte on one. 
Uh, there's one where they've got the Brides, Mr. Monster, which is another band I hope we talk about at some point on this. On this, and there's a shit ton of posters for for uh, for Ghoul Town, and a lot of them are from this album because that album had just come out two years prior. So I, there's a lot of like just little interesting things that get thrown into pop culture that some people might kind of not really key in on until they've actually listened to this band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if before we get into this again, man, if you guys, if you like like Hank the Third and the Misfits and like listening to them both, I, I'll tell you right now, you're probably going to like this before we even get into this. Yes, if you've ever listened to Ghost Riders in the Sky and wished it was just a little less well-played and a little bit punkier, then this is the album for you. And the other thing I want to talk about before we get too started is each album cover is different. And I and bring this up because it's kind of comic bookish in a way, but it's comic bookish in a good way. It all evokes that theme, and it seems like each album cover has a theme they're going with. Um, like this album, for the most part, out of all the other albums they've had, feels the closest to a Spaghetti Western to me. This is like if you want to have that... Um, Ennio Morricone feel that you get from like the Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns. This is the closest one, more than the other more than the other albums. Um, you know, and each 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 one's just a little bit different in a good way. So I, I do like bring that up as well. All right. So let's start talking about this album in particular. All right. So. Uh, let's, I guess, just start at the beginning. Um, they, like as most of their albums do, they have an intro. Um, it's kind of sort of an instrumental, but not really. Um, it, sometimes they do do instrumentals. This is more of it essentially sounds like an old record with a lot of static in the background. Kind of gives that creepy vibe. Um, people that know me know I'm a big fan of theme when it comes to music like this, and it sets the theme very well. It feels like, oh, you're listening to grandma and grandpa's old radio from like the 1920s and this shit's coming on the radio and you kind of have to turn it up to kind of hear a little bit because there's a banjo playing along with a really good bass line and then it just jumps from there into the first song um so if you've i I will tell you right now the musicianship on this album is amazing um they could have named themselves something completely different and they sound almost like a professional band more so than they already are yeah, um, I, I agree with you on the cohesion in that this album, and part of it is give them enough rope, and just the with the, a lot of the songs are about frontier justice and that kind of thing. So it reminds me of a spaghetti western, specifically Hang 'Em High, and that the album is not a concept album. I wouldn't say but it does almost carry a story all the way through it. It's very easy to follow along and create a story out of this album because it is so um, thematically coherent. And I do appreciate that. And that's something um, that you'll find in other albums that they do as well. Progressively, each album starts to tell a story and while these songs aren't quick like you get in punk music, it's each song has its own main character, if you will. 
and it's just like listening to someone that has written an actual country song. Oh, look, yeah. let's let's talk about you know what it what this is like, what that is like. I'm not going to pull any you know pull any you know pull any fast ones on you. We're just going to go full on and say this is what it's like. Here's life. And of course, this this half the time we're talking about zombies and you know and people getting shot that don't need to be shot and things like that. So that they, they do that very, very well. Um, in fact, I think there's only like one or two songs on here that, that don't do that. And they're more humorous to me. So I kind of give those a little bit of a sly. Well, even the, some of the humorous ones, uh, still kind of follow that story stru- song structure. So you're right. I mean, it is very evocative of straight up, um, country. There's actually a couple of these that even, um, if you clean up the production just a little bit, I think you could play on a country station. Probably not until late at night, like an outlaw hours kind of thing, but I, I wouldn't think it's out of place thematically or content-wise. Oh, certainly not. Um, and one th- another thing they kind of do as well is, n- not that you or I would care about this, and I'm assuming I don't think any most of our listeners would care either, Um they kind of keep the vulgarity down a little bit, and a lot of it is implied. Um, I'm thinking yeah. of one song in particular. If you're a young kid, you probably don't know what half that song is talking about, but as an adult, you're like, huh, I, I know what's going on here. I yes. see what you did. Um, and that song actually works amazingly well because of that. And to not get too off topic, if we ever visit this band again, they actually have a sequel to that song in a later album. Nice. So I, I guess maybe we should just go ahead and just jump into the songs, man, since we're talking about them so much. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so for me, and I, for me, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this here, my one knock on this album is that I think it's too long. At almost an hour, uh, man, I, I guess I'm getting old because I just it's hard for me to stick with an album and, and just find the time to sit down and listen to an album that's an hour long. I'd rather have more of the, and you know, you've heard me say this throughout the podcast, man. Give me something coming in between 30 and 40 minutes, and I am fucking happy as a clam because I can do that and be done with it and move on to other things. Whereas this, I had to spend a whole lot more time with. This is good enough that that doesn't really bother me, but it's still my one nitpick. And the reason that I bring that up leading into songs is because I'm not going to count that intro that Buzz already talked about against them because it's 30 seconds and it's kind of cool. But honestly, if this album had started at Return of the Living Dead and cut the six minutes for the first two uh, first two proper tracks, Fistful of Demons and Dio de los Muertes, out, I would have been much happier with the album. Because from there, just about everything I really liked. Um, the song that we've been hemming and hawing around about, Dirty Sanchez, that's a great song, Hang Em High. The, the last like five tracks on this album... Dragging Your Bones, Whipping Post, Bandito Sunrise, Carry the Coffin, and To the Gallows, I just love. Um, so this really ended on a high note for me, as far as the songs go. So that's kind of where I was going to go with this as well. Um, so it's, I do wish they cut down a little bit of the time, and part of that is, I, I'm going to do like Ben does, I'm not going to count the intro, because that's like its own separate thing. There are three... Uh, instrumentals here and the instrumentals are both good and bad and what I mean by that is they're bad because they take up a lot of space and a lot of time but they're good and, and it's just like this is a 
this is a good band. Like they know what they're doing. They can play their instruments well. And honestly, if I could take those three songs off this album, I could put them on like a spaghetti Western and it's going to fit perfectly. Um, yeah. So I will tell you right now, if you can just, if you're not big in instrumentals, give it a, give it a shot. Maybe look at his background music. If you play something like Deadlands or if you play something like, you know, Werewolf the Wild West, for example, that works really well as background noise and I like it. Um, jumping into the songs specifically, uh, Fistful of Demons, of course, and Fistful of Dollars when he's talking about being chopped up as a demon. Um, Fistful of Demons and Dia de los Muertos are very good songs, um, but they never they don't really catch me as much as the other songs do. What I will say um, on Dia de los Muertos is that's probably the one song out of all of them, say for Dirty Ch Sanchez, where you actually have a, a lot of trumpet. And so Dia de los Muertos and Dirty Sanchez both feel like they could be an actual Western song because of that. It feels like there's a mariachi band playing with you know, this, this country Western troupe that just popped up on stage and they're playing together. Um, if you like that kind of thing, you're going to like this. If you don't, you know, I, I, I'd still say give it a shot. Um, but going down, all the songs sound exactly like they're going to sound in, in as, as, they, as far as they go lyrically. Uh, Return of the Living Dead is, and Wicked Man are probably my favorites on here mostly because I've heard them the most. Um, like I said, Return of the Living Dead was the first song I heard from this band before I looked back and saw, oh, they had another album before this, and they actually had a live EP before that, and also they had uh, the CD that they released in, like, 1998 that was like that when they first got started. Holy crap, how I haven't ever heard about this band. Um, so that song is kind of my intro into this band, if you will. Um, the reason I like it so much is it's it's mostly an acoustic song. There is electric guitar playing in the background, but it's very acoustically driven. Um, so you have that feel of like some dude out in the middle of nowhere in the desert playing the song. Um, Wicked Man is probably their most famous song on this album. Um, at every show, they tend to play it. It's a very high-speed song. Um, it's also very catchy, which is what I enjoyed. Going down from there, Dirty Sanchez. Look, you know what that song is about. It's exactly what you think it's about, and it's fucking hilarious. Um, I think that's another one. What they did, the wordplay, was very, very genius as far as I'm concerned. Just because, again, if you have a young child in the car with you that doesn't understand what a lot of what a lot of the um, allusions are, you can listen to it with your kid. There you go. Um, Hang Me High was okay. Let's see. Wet Until Dark was a good one um, because, again, it's just so wacky and out of place. I will say that would be another one I might pull from this album, uh, just because it doesn't quite fit with the other ones, but it's still a good song nonetheless. Um, of course, you get down to Man With No Name. Again, you're talking about the Spaghetti Westerns. Um, it's that one. I, I almost want to say it kind of reminded me of A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash, just if you kind of like get the feel for it of like this dude having to deal with a bunch of crap going through his life and basically having to become a hard ass because of it. And oh, by the way, he's also evil. There we go. Um, you know, Dragging Your Bones, Whipping Post are both good. And the thing I enjoyed about Whipping Post is I kind of get, I kind of got that feel of if you've ever been outside in the heat for a long period of time and you start to get kind of delirious, 
that's what that song kind of felt like to me. That's kind of what the background drop I got from it is wandering through the middle of the desert or in the middle of a heat stroke and just kind of your mind's wandering and you're thinking about a bunch of things all at once other than getting from point A to point B. Um, going from there, uh, it ends on Carry the Coffin to the Gallows, which Carry the Coffin is the other really famous, popular song on this album. I think it's played a lot. And it ends with To the Gallows, which again is a music, is a, not a musical, it's a instrumental, but it has that feel of, okay, well, this dude just, you know, carried a coffin to his deathbed and now he's being hung and that's how the album ends. So I, I got to tell you, I, there wasn't, there was hardly anything I didn't like on this album. And what I didn't like, I just kind of skip over because it's still okay to listen to if I'm on a long car ride. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't really have anything that I would disagree with what you said there. I think that your mileage with Dios de los Muertes is a little different than mine in that I, when I saw that title, I expected to really like the song, so I may have made myself my own expectations too high. And there was just something off about it. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's very funny because like those first three tracks, counting the intro, but if we take the intro off, the first two proper songs just really didn't do it for me but after that and it was almost as if and i'm not saying this is what they did but maybe it's almost as if the first two tracks were just them fucking off because the playing wasn't as good it was sloppier and i'm sure that was on purpose but by the time they get to return of the living dead they kind of dial it in and i don't want to say are being a proper band but are actually taking it more seriously than they had through the first couple songs and that's when their skill in songwriting and and musicianship really came to a point for me, and and I, and I really got into the album from there. Yeah, and that's going back to what I said that you know that fistful of demons and Diodelos Muertos you could probably just take off if you if you kind of if you wanted my opinion on like hey how would you listen to this album I would skip those two and it's not because I don't like them they just I, I I'm kind of like with you on this Ben they don't really they don't really fit as well as they do with everything else. But at the same time, I would say I'd make these like singles maybe, or take them out and put them on like, say an EP rather than this LP um, and just go from there. But yeah, I, 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 I pretty much everything I need, I need to say about these songs, man, if you, and I'll say it again, I'm going to repeat myself, but I'll jump in full force with this. If you like, stuff like Johnny Cash, if you like stuff like Outlaw Country, if you like stuff like Waylon Jennings, if you like stuff like, uh, you know, Hank the Third, and you like stuff like The Misfits, and you like stuff like The Cramps, and you like them all, and you kind of wish, hey, it would be kind of awesome if all these bands got together, this is that band. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that if you're into that uh, Cal Punk or um, uh, loosely hellbilly, that you would be into this. For sure. Um, I don't really have anything else to say. Um, I would I would like to hear um, Dia de los Muertes live just to see if they... Because sometimes some bands play stuff live that sounds a lot different. So uh, it would be interesting to see if they have an alternate take on it other than what's on the album. But other than that, uh, if you are ready, I am ready to grade this thing. 
Oh, and one other thing I was going to bring up too it has nothing to do with this album, but we were talking about songs being played in different uh, in different ways. Um, so, Return of the Living Dead is on another album they did for uh, the Elvira show, which, if anyone remembers, uh, there was a show a few years ago called like the Search for like the Next Elvira or something along those lines. Um, her producer, Cassandra Peterson's producer, heard this band and convinced them and Cassandra Peterson to meet, and they made a deal to where they did the intro song to that show. Cool. So there's actually a song called Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, that they did, and on that little, um, it's not really a single, but on that little kind of mini album, if you will, they did that song, and they did a different version of Return of the Living Dead. So, yes, there's probably a different version of Dia de los Muertos out there as well. Rock on. But other than that, um, well, since we're back, I will let you go first, sir. You'll let me go first. Um, this is a really good album. I like this band. I like the other stuff that I've heard from them. Of course, I'm a, I like country music. So, I mean, it's, a, it's an easy sell for a guy like me who loves punk and country to kind of get into this. With that said, I do think it's a little too long. Um there are some tracks that I think I would check off. Um, we've talked about all that already. I am not the give two grades kind of guy. I just give one. So this is going to come in at a B for me. Um, it's just just a little too long. A little too long. It's one of those things where, like I tell my students, I only want you to answer six of these questions out of these 13 if you answer more than that they're not getting graded so that's kind of kind of where i am <clears throat> and as always i respect that opinion and as everyone probably knows by now i do two grades normally i do a punk grade as well as a musician grade i'm going to change that up because this is technically not a punk band this is more of a goth band um i've already said that they fall into gothability possibly even hellbilly maybe even some rockabilly um I'm going to stick the goth moniker because I feel like that that's really where they fit more. Um, I would say country, but I don't quite feel like they hit that level of country quite as hard as they possibly could have, which is both a good and bad thing. So my two grades, uh, starting with musicianship, um, save for Fistful of Demons and Dia de los Muertos. If those weren't on here, this would be getting a fucking A plus for me because this band is on point. Um, anyone that knows me knows how I'm about you know music, especially if you can do things like instrumentals well, like really well, and make it sound like this is nothing. I mean, if you listen to the instrumentals, it does not sound like this is a horror band. It sounds like this is getting put into the next Western movie getting ready to come out. So that matters. Um, for that, that's getting an A-plus for me. On the goth feel, or goth ability, however you want to call it, um, I kind of struggled for a little bit because I thought about it a few minutes before we started recording. Um, Festival of Demons, Dia de los Muertos, and if I were to take out uh, uh, Wait Until Dark, this would be probably a minus for me because of those three songs in here. It kind of makes it go, eh, you guys are kind of messing around. I think this is just filler. It's so good, but it's not as good as you could be, and it is long. I, I will tell you, it didn't. I didn't realize how long it was because it had been a long time since I had listened to this album. 
and this album is out of print right now, so I had to listen to it digitally. I was going back and forth between Nashville. It, I was able to listen to the entire album um, by the time I got to where I was going in Nashville. Like, I was surprised. I was like, holy shit, it's been like an hour. What the hell? So at that time, that's how I realized just how long this album is. Um, the length kind of pulls it down for me. I am going to give it a B plus, though, because I have heard their other stuff, and I know they can do better. But if those four things were to be removed, it would be up there as an A for me. So B plus. All right, man. Sounds good. And we are officially back. So, time for the so month. I guess I should go ahead and say the reason I kind of pushed for this album first is because as of this recording, by the time it gets released, uh, it will be the last weekend of summer. And I'm a very thematic person. I was like, you know what, when I think, uh, when I think like Westerns, I think heat, it's still kind of hot outside, it's not fall yet, let's do this one, Evil Evil West, let's put that out there. So, with that said, uh, this is our, I guess, our goodbye to summer, as it were, so the next time you'll be hearing this will be when the air is a little bit cooler and the leaves have already started falling here, but they haven't changed color yet, which is strange, but um. What are we going to talk about next once we start getting into the cooling season, still being September? Well, I think we've hit something. You know, we we have done a at least golf-adjacent album for the end of summer, so we should probably do something golf for the intro of the birth of fall, as it were. And I can think of nothing better to bring in fall than a little bit of ball house. So we're going to be talking about a German expression style artwork? Exactly. We're going to become an art review band podcast. Reviewing art. 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 This is the ball house. So I've actually been to the ball house museum, by the way. Have you? Okay, well, yeah. that's cool. We'll talk about that next time. Hell yeah. And uh, what album are we going to be talking about, Ben? Because I don't know that yet. Uh, we have not decided, so... Well, then tune in next week when we talk about some album or some sort of songs from Bauhaus, I suppose. Yes. Some it's... album by this band. By this band. There we go. Well, <laughs> until then, I'm Buzz. I will be carrying my coffin through next week. So hope everyone has a safe and wonderful last bit of this hellacious heat they're all experiencing. Uh, the heat has already died here. It has been today. It got up into the seventies, but uh, the last week it's been down in the fifties and sixties. So, but unfortunately, I'm in, unfortunately I'm in Tennessee, and what happens is we don't get an actual fall. It's hot, and then all of a sudden we'll get fall for like two days, then it's winter. That's that's what happens here. Yep, yep. I, I remember living in West Kentucky. It's the same way. However, with that said, I will bid you all adieu as I go off to bury this dirty black summer. Do you have a good night to the gallows. <laughs>